right, it's Jed Banger's Ball. Welcome to the show. As always, I'm your host, Jed Mayhew. It's the holidays. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving break, what have you. It's been fucking so much traffic here in L.A. This last week is driving me crazy. It seems to be driving everyone crazy. I don't know. It seems like there's no parking spots. There's Everybody's stuck in traffic. Everybody's trying to get where they're trying to go. My buddy was coming back from Sacramento. It took him like 11 hours to get from Sacramento to L.A. Anyways, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say today because it's the holidays and I'm a little hungover from... Uh, I was DJing with uh, Lance from Permanent Records who's on episode one of Jet Banger's Fall if you want to go back and listen to it. We DJed last night at the uh, Black Boar here in beautiful Eagle Rock. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting older. I don't know if I'm just a pussy. But I uh, threw up in the shower this morning. Then we did a little... (laughs) The show is a little early for my likes. But next week we'll be back at it again. I won't be there, but it's the two-year anniversary of Feed the Freaks at the Black Boar. So go see Lance next Wednesday. So, on the show today, we have Rick Rodney, singer of legendary SoCal hardcore band Strife. They were part of the early uh, straight-edge scene, I guess, you can call it that or whatever. But, uh, yeah, we got into it. We, we, we figured out some stuff. We talked about his photography. He's got a couple dogs. We didn't talk about that, but... We talked about that before the show. But yeah, let's talk to Rick Rodney. You just did the tour with Madball. Yeah. And you guys played at the Viper Room. Yeah. It was, it was weird, but it was fun. It was fun. It was cool. I'm sure, but it, it seems, that just seems like such a weird place just in general. Right. And I've right. seen great shows there. I've seen, yeah, I me too. Earth. I have. Earthless there, I saw, it was like the first time I ever saw those guys, and I saw uh, Hawkwind when they came through. Yeah, I remember they actually played, I think the night we were playing at the Roxy, Hawkwind was playing at the Viper Room, which is weird, but cool. But it's like, you know, I associate the Viper Room with like Johnny Depp. Yeah. And and River Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Dying there. Unfortunately, yes. Of course, as opposed to though, like, these sort of classic straight edge yeah, <laughs> or hard, hardcore. And, hardcore. Know. Yeah, it was. It, it was definitely. Uh, you know, we kind of hooked up with Madball uh, in Europe. We did a tour with them, and uh, you know, they're just great guys. Like we've known them for years, just as like people, and like kind of you know done shows and stuff. N- not with them, but just you know, it's a small, pretty small group of people that we're all kind of associated with. In a in a weird way, but never toured with them, so we finally got to, and it was just it was fucking cool. Yeah, they're just like good dudes. So they hit us up, and they're like, you know, do you want to do this thing on the West Coast? And we were like, fuck yeah, of course, you know, no worries. And then I saw like the itinerary, and I was like, whoa, it's kind of weird that we're going to be doing it at the Viper Room. There's so many other options, you know, like Roxy or whatever. And um, it, I don't know if Viper, I, maybe they're just trying to do like a rebrand or just try to get you know other people to come in and, and jam it out, but. It was cool. It ended up being really cool. Like uh, the bouncers were kind of tripping on like stage dives and like kids kind of going off, but overall it was a uh, it was a pretty good night. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been there a few times and it's always it is definitely got that like 
there's still that holdover sort of Sunset Strip vibe where yeah. the guy's like at the door with the eight ball cane and the little hat. And yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Very uh, authentic. Very authentic and very like professional. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. As far yeah. as like letting people in or whatever. But like, so who who was booking the tour though that they that they thought like that's. Um, I don't know who booked the tour. Freddie may have done it from from Madball. I think he does a lot of their stuff, or it could have been somebody else. That, that to be honest, I don't know. Um, and uh, or maybe Chris from Powerhouse up north was doing it because I know he was doing some stuff with that, or he was like tour managing it and stuff. And I think everybody, you know, just got done. I'm not sure why or what made that place, you know, the pick, but um, it was surprisingly good. Like yeah. I would. Definitely play there again. Like, the, everybody that worked there was bitching. Like, you know, I'd seen the cult there. And, like, you know, uh, bands like, you know, sure. these weird, you know, sort of, like, secret announced shows. And I used to go there with friends, like, back in the day. Like, Dom from Brooklyn Projects used to take me out. And, like, we'd meet, like, you know, the most random people, like, rock stars and shit. And so it was very strange to, like, be playing there, you know. But it's... It's small. It's just like a little club, but yeah. it's got this sort of like legendary kind of like vibe to it. But you you grew up here though. Yeah, yeah. I grew I grew up in. Uh, I mean, I was born in the valley, and then I was raised in a suburb outside of L.A. called Moore Park. And it's you know all my band guys are from uh, like Thousand Oaks and Westlake and stuff like that. So we all just kind of like were you know disenchanted and pissed off and let's do a band. So. We grew up going to shows in Hollywood and L.A. And you were going down to the shows because I had um, Jimmy Hay was on the show the last one and he grew up here as well. And it's always interesting to talk to people that grew up in L.A. because there's so many of us that are, you know, transplants or whatever and, and kind of missed that that whole scene. But were you going to shows like on the Sunset Strip and seeing like oh, yeah, yeah, hair sure. metal bands and stuff like that? Not or? so much hair metal. Like, I mean, we went to like, I mean, I was, you know, I got into punk when I was like 12 or 13. I was into metal and shit, and before that, or I would say I got into punk about 15, like, full-blown, like, fuck metal, fuck everything else, I'm a punker. Right. Um, you know, but I, and I was in the suburbs, you know, and I didn't have a car, so it was like, we would, you know, catch rides with, like, my one of my best friends growing up, his dad lived in Santa Monica, so he would, he would pick us up, and, like, we'd go down to Hollywood and buy records and stuff. And my mom, you know, my parents were like, no fucking way are you going to Hollywood, so I'd lie and sneak out and go... And do that kind of stuff. So the first shows we started going to were like the Country Club and in Reseda because that was relatively close to where we we lived. But then a lot of stuff was out in Riverside and like Long Beach, you know. Right. And it was just a an all day affair to go to a show and like you'd get home at like three in the morning and it was just it was awesome. Were they having shows out like in the Valley at all back then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where the. Uh, country club in Reseda in the Valley was like the spot that we'd go to. And then there was like Cobalt Cafe we would do, um, which I think is closed now, which is a bummer. Um, that was in the Valley. And then uh, what else was there? You know, there was in Simi Valley. We played a couple places out there. Um, and, you know, it was it was weird because we were from the 805. So like hardcore specifically, it was like if you weren't from Orange County, you weren't shit. You right. know, there was like this full on proving ourselves that we were worthy to like play a show with a band in Orange County. So, you know, we'd always go out to these, these shows out there and, and Riverside and sort of Inland Empire. And again, it was like an all day trek to get there. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just always felt like bastardized, like these fucking kids. Right. What were the, what were the bands that you were like seeing when you first were going out to shows? 
Um, I mean, one of the first, like DI, Doggy Style, Bad Religion, Instead, Gorilla Biscuits, Shelter, Inside Out, like mostly hardcore, like specific bands. I mean, I guess, but um, it, you know, shows were pretty integrated back then. It was like a punk band with a hardcore band, and so you you sort of like our attitude was like everybody at a show. It didn't matter if you're sure. like a straight edge kid or a hardcore kid. So it all it always kind of stuck with us as like sort of like we're all just sort of weirdos and fuck ups, and that's why we're here. Right. And, and some of us have a shaved head, some of us have long hair or whatever, and uh, it didn't really matter like the the this the aesthetics of it. But so, what drew you to then sort of being sort of the straight edge thing? Because that that that's definitely like you know has a sort of regimented. Oh yeah, yeah idea yeah, of yeah. rules or whatever. If yeah, you're hanging it's out with ironic those. for for punk music, I guess. Um, well, I mean, punk is the most regimented, right? Right. Rule, yeah, yeah. That, of type of music there is, as far sure. as like, it, as much as it's supposed to be anti that, it's the most. The rules come because it's like you've got to be anti, right, know, or whatever. So that's a rule in itself. I mean, for for me, like, I I kind of, you know, growing up in the suburbs of L.A. Like, I was, you know, all my friends, we'd all drink and, like, hang out and go to the, go to the, we'd all, like, meet in a wash and, like, drink beer and hang out. And we were you all, guys skating and stuff? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We all skated <laughs> and we, like, listened to the Exploited and Dead Kennedys and Black Flag. You're sort of, like, you know, go-to bands when, when all you have is, you know, the one record or whatever you can get at your record store. Um, and... You know, my parents were fucking hard asses on me. Like, I ditched school. I was horrible, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, overall, I was a pretty decent kid. I wasn't, like, an asshole. I just didn't like anything. Right. Like most kids. And um, I kind of got into straight edge because I really liked, like, the punk ideology. But for me, like, I, I was like, okay, if you're going to be punk, like, and you're getting wasted on, like, Anheuser-Busch beer – it's sort of like not punk. Sure. So I was like, okay, cool. This is this is like punk mentality, social change, like very ideology, you know, idealistic, and you don't get fucked up. So you're like clear-minded and all that stuff to do, you know, make a change. And uh, I thought that was cool. Yeah. You know, I thought it was cool. It was aggressive. It was. It had all of the elements that I was like looking for, like angst-wise, you know. And before it was like, <clears throat> you know, not not super uniformy and stuff, you know, like when, you know, the eighties and all that kind of stuff in the mid eighties. So I, I really just dug it and I didn't really have an experience with the actual music because I was so young, you know, I didn't go to a lot of, you know, straight edge shows. I just go to punk shows and I would see, you know, kids drunk and fighting and just doing dumb shit. And I just never really bought into that. Like, right. I always thought it was cooler just to like go to a show and, and meet people and have fun and, you know, kind of like stage dive and all that kind of jazz. It was like much more positive. So I guess I'm a little bit more positive, but. Well, I think too, something that people don't talk about a lot is like the idea of like, I'm going to be clear headed or straight edge or whatever, because of that's what I believe in. But also, you know, to play that kind of music is like really fucking hard when you're drunk, you know, <laughs> yeah. like to play like super fast hardcore yeah. or like the picking or whatever or the yeah. drumming. Like if you're fucked up, it's like really hard to play that as opposed to like being in like I'm a rock band. I'm you know? impressed with with people that can do it for sure. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not straight edge anymore. I haven't been for years um, and I've gone through my phase where I'm like, fuck, yeah, I'm going to get drunk before a show and 
I've had some messy ones where it's just it's not that much fun. It isn't, you know, and it, it seems it seems at the time like, oh, my God, this is the best one ever. And then all of a sudden, like afterwards, you're just like, fuck, man, that was so stupid. Where, so. Were you, where were you guys getting, like, I mean, was it, like, a minor threat thing? Or was, like, where did the, like, genesis of the, like, where did you hear about Straight Edge for the first time? Definitely minor threat. Yeah. 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 But not knowing really what it was. Right. Just, like, kind of, like, this is cool. It's pissed. It's angry. Uh, it's, it's East Coast, which was, like, you know, this, like, far off land. And then, you know, I got into, like, Youth of Today and, like, you know, again, like, the sort of, like, go-to bands that were, like, on Rev or whatever. That were easy. The accessibility to those bands was much easier than some of the smaller ones. So that sort of was a catalyst for me jumping into it. And I, I mean, was, what, was there like a time when you guys were all in the wash, like drinking beer, and someone came down and was like, "Hey guys, there's this thing called Straight Edge happening." Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was That's how I picture it. Yeah, I mean, because uh, I had that moment too. You oh, know, for like, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it made its way in somehow. I mean, I was in a punk band. With, with, like, my school friends called the Monster Club. And, you know, I was a huge Misfits fan, yeah. still am. And, you know, we wanted to be the Misfits so bad. And so we played sort of like Ramones, Misfitsy, sort of like punk, you know, bump, 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 bump style music. And uh, the bass player, who was a good friend of mine, Dave Pitzel, he got into Straight Edge first out of all of us. And he was Straight Edge for a while. <clears throat> and we were just like, oh, that's lame. You're lame. And he was like, no, nah, man, it's cool. Like, you know, and he, he started dressing like straight edge, wearing X's and shit. And we we're like, what the fuck? This is so weird. And it's sort of like he, I guess, would be one of the first people that sort of introduced it to me, like, as, you know, more than just people screaming in, into a mic or whatever. Um, and uh, he stopped being straight edge. And then I started being straight edge. Right. And so it was like a reverse thing. And it was it was funny. It's, it, and then I, I sort of just was like, okay, I like doing this punk band, but I want to do a hardcore band. So through, you know, going to shows, I sort of would see kids like from, I would see the same kids at our shows, at, at shows, and uh, just started rapping out with them. Like, oh, you're wearing an X, you got a shaved head, cool, let's talk. And, you know, it's just sort of like young and dumb and just like wide-eyed and getting into it. And um, yeah, that's where I met like Andrew, our guitar player, and our old drummer Sid, and bass player Chad, and and Todd, our guitar player. And we've had pretty much the same lineup since the beginning. Um, we have a new drummer that we've had for a couple of years now, but our old drummer was with us up until we pretty much, I mean, we broke up like in 98. Right. And then kind of got back together for a while, and then he quit, and uh, he's like a big DJ now. And, uh, you know, we're just, now we're just fucking having fun. But how did the band start? Like, did you guys, like... I, I, was, I was working as a security guard at a, at a computer place, and I was like, you know, I want to do a band. So I had gotten our drummer Sid's number from a show at a show or whatever. So I called him up and I was like, hey, man, do you want to do a band? Because he was from Riverside and he was in a punk band called SDI that was really fucking cool. And he was straight edge. And I was like, do you want to do a band? He's like, yeah, let's do it. So that's pretty much like without even really knowing each other. We're just like, you're straight edge. I'm straight edge. We live in a you know town basically that has no straight edge kids. Um, let's do bands. So, so the idea was kind of more of like let's do something different as opposed to like let's, you know, you were yeah. It was just like we're we are into it, right? You know, so it was like you know this is what we're gonna do. We have to do this, and you know we we all like love music and love playing music, but we wanted to do a straight edge band. Um, and you know we had a guitar player at the time 
you know, when we first started jamming, who was like a stoner. And it was like, oh, you know, you're cool, dude, but you're not straight edge. So we had like, you know, our, our guitar player, Andrew, who's like, you know, old friend and brother of mine and like everybody else in the band, it's crazy still. But he didn't even really know how to play guitar, but he had one. He had like this yeah. BC rich, like fucking wild, I don't even know what it's called. But, you know, we were like, dude, do you want to be in the band? He's like, yeah. So he came over and we're, we're horrible. We're just so awful. Yeah. And, you know, just over time, we sort of started taking it a little more serious. Was this donor guy like, I can quit weed, dudes? Like, no, he was like, <laughs> later, bros. Like, you guys do your stupid thing. He was, he was like, nah, it's cool. He was not bummed. He wasn't like going out back and sneaking. No, no, he was committed to his, his cause. So you guys had like, I mean, it's kind of a cool thing to think about. I never really thought about it before, but like you guys had this sort of like shared mindset yeah another thing outside of just we're a band yeah there's sort of this like ideology that we all share right right yeah i mean that's kind of the cool thing about straight edge specifically but also like sort of hardcore punk you know anything sort of fringe i guess is i mean it's it's a lot different now because of internet and the accessibility of things is much easier which is cool in a way but for like people my age or you know people of my generation <laughs> which sounds weird uh you know it, it's sort of like well you didn't put the work in you know like right you didn't you didn't send away for the zine that took like four months sure maybe you'd get it maybe you wouldn't but that's the only way you'd find out about a band or you'd read an interview from someone you know doing a zine in chicago yeah and you'd finally get it and it'd have stickers and you'd have like a demo tape from so and so and you'd be it'd be like it's coveted you know and you'd show your friends and you'd all meet up and listen to the record or the tape or whatever and it was just like this you know it was you know your own little club you yeah. know that like the, everybody else at school didn't know about or whatever and it just made you feel like you were doing something different or part of something cooler I mean, I had the same thing, like, I, you know, I was, like, listening to Dead Kennedys, Misfits, Circle Jerks, Ramones, Black Flag. But then, like, when I went out to, like, search for something else, you know, I, I think I ordered something from Discord. And I, I think I was trying to get, like, I don't know, uh, maybe a minor threat record or something like that. Something that some older kid had told me was cool or that right, I'd be into. Right. <clears throat> and they sent me... A Nation of Ulysses record. <laughs> That's cool too, though. But, but no, not the same. But but like, but not what I'd ordered. Right. But it was like I had like saved up my money and had taken so long to get the Nation of Ulysses CD yeah. that like that Nation of Ulysses just became my new favorite band. Right. You're yeah, you're like fuck it. I got to do this. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. And when I first put it on, there's like fucking like trumpets and shit, and I'm just like, this is totally not what I'm into. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, but just, I just played the CD over and over again until I became a huge fan of Nation of sure, because yeah. I had nothing else to yeah, listen to. Yeah, and then to. you'd see him, and it was like, fuck, this band's amazing. Well, they were already gone. gone. Oh, they were gone. They were yeah, gone yeah. by that point. But it was just They're that, good. It was just that thing of like, you know, you know, before this internet thing where you like, you know, it was such a process to yeah find the music and so like you had to like you're very protective totally. and, and and you yeah like you said like you had to sign up i mean yeah you'd get shit all the time that was like not what you ordered or if you even got it you know right. like it's just i don't know how many times you'd send away for something like even stickers or whatever something simple like four bucks and postage and then never get what you're supposed to get and then right. you'd see him see you know years later you see the kid at the show or whatever and be like hey man what the fuck where's my shit and they're like sorry man 
never yeah. happened. Sorry, I got a job. Yeah, I got. I, yeah, I couldn't afford it to, to make <laughs> much stickers. But like, how old were you guys when the band started, though? I was, I think, like twenty. And we're talking about Strife here, obviously. Strife, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we were called Stand as One at first. That was the name that I came up with, and it was. We played a show in Santa Barbara. And the other guys were like, but there's five of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very, uh, we were standing as one. Yeah. Um, the, you know, we played a show in Santa Barbara, and it was, like, so shitty. And we were out of tune, and it was just so embarrassing that, you know, we were like, we got we to gotta rethink this thing. So we, we changed the name. To, to our credit, the guitar, the guitar that Andrew was playing at the time, the whole headstock and neck had been busted and glued back together. So we didn't know it. So every time we hit like an open E and a uh, jump, it would just be like, Brown, and it just would, it was awful. So that was sort of an eye opener. And we started in basically like 90. So I don't know what, I don't know, like 21, 22. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. And he was like 15, you know? So I, uh, I don't know how old it was. Let's see. I don't even fucking know. 20. You, yeah. So you guys weren't teenagers though. Like. No. I mean, well, he, he was like some of the guy. I'm the <laughs> oldest guy in the band. Okay. I'm pretty much oldest, older than most people I know. So, um, uh, yeah, I was a little bit older. And so, and then Sid, our drummer had already been in a band. So he had like the chops, like he knew like sort of like what you were supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it for the most part. And so it was just sort of, it wasn't so much like how, you know, we didn't know how to do stuff. We just knew we wanted to do it. Right. So we just did it. Sure. And, you know, through trial and error and a lot of mistakes and some dumb luck, like it just sort of worked out. And, and where were you guys, where were you guys like practicing back then? Like <laughs> we used to practice in our friend's garage. Um, we would practice at a teen center. We would practice at a church. We'd practice in the living room of our friend who lived in an apartment complex his mom would go to work and we would like ditch school and go over there and jam in the fucking living room, right. like f full on crazy loud, like somehow never got busted. Um, yeah, we used to like set up <laughs> in the, when we used to jam in the, in the garage at our friend Tony's house, we'd set up mattresses and do stage dives like on, you know, like 10 of us <laughs> would like hang out and like have mini shows at the house and like do stage dives on each other and like. It was just so weird. It was it was awesome. It yeah, was totally innocent and fun, and just you know we were all kind of just having a good time. Just you know, because like again, we didn't have Wikipedia to figure out like or YouTube to see like oh this is the cool way you dance or the cool way you do this. And well, I, and also you're on the West Coast too, which is like yeah, it was like a little bit more. It wasn't so like hardcore, like or like straight edge specifically. It was more like punk music and like the skate punk scene, mm -hmm. and you know. Hardcore is definitely East Coast. Like. Right. So we sort of just, you know, we loved, like, Uniform Choice was, like, you know, big the big West Coast band for us and a handful of others, but Chance Drank, people like that. Um, so, you know, we throw – our first show we did was at my high school. I went to a continuation school, and we threw this uh, animal rights event. <laughs> and uh, we played in, like, um, Outspoken, which was, like, a, a one of our big-time bands that we loved at the time. And they played, and, uh, yeah, it was it was cool. Metal band played, you know. We just had this, like, little thing, and my parents came, and it was really weird. And was, and was there a bunch of people there, though? Yeah, it was pretty good turnout. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, you didn't have right. venues and shit up there. So, you know, and, and it, this was in Moore Park, and there was nothing. Like, I was the only straight-edge kid in the city and then a couple other friends, you know, sort of like got into it, like my punk friends and stuff. And we just had like this small little click, but p 
people, we were friends with a lot of people. Like I was always friends with jocks and with punks and with then weirdos and goths. And I just really sort of liked being a social person and just like hanging out. And um, I always felt like it was a better way of getting the sort of like, I mean, I was really ideal, idealistic. So I always felt like the better way to get the message out was just to be cool to people. You know, I've always thought like if I went to my first hardcore show and everybody was being a dick to me, I would be like, fuck you guys. I'm out. You know, sure. I'm not going to come back here. Right. So I always like believe that like, go to a show. If you see like a young kid, just like make an impression, you know, like a good impression on him and just like. It's a cool thing. It, it really, you know, I mean, it, it sounds whatever, like crazy, but it saved my life in a lot of ways, you know, and yeah, I mean, helped, I, I helped get, a lot of people. I get it. Like, you know, it's like sometimes when you're touring or playing shows, it's so boring or annoying or whatever. But like, you know, I, I try to remember, like if there is a kid there that like is really stoked on the band, like yeah, I try yeah. to like go talk to them after the show. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, or if they want to talk to you, you like give them the, give them the time, you know? It's like, yeah. And actually, that ends up always being, like, probably the most fun part of exactly. being at the fucking yeah. venue or whatever. It's not dealing with the fucking sound guy. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. It's like you, you kind of, like, maybe sometimes can take it for granted. Like, people are there to, like, are seeing you for the first time or haven't seen you and want to see you. And, you know, like, without, without people coming to shows, like, there wouldn't be a band. So yeah. it's... Uh, it's a it's a thing, and you know, and I I think for for us like, you know, or for me specifically, you know, this isn't like my job, you know, anymore. It's like I I used to tour and sort of try to make a living off of it, and this is when hardcore and punk wasn't sort of like in vogue, you know. Right. So it was like, it was it was hard, you know. You had to have shitty jobs and like ditch them, and then come back and try to get another job and do all this stuff. Sleep on I slept on you know so many couches like while I was touring. <clears throat> as like where I lived, right? You know, like I'm leaving, living on your couch for like six months. You know, <laughs> and like here's my suitcase, and I'm, you know, sorry, this is where I'm at. When you're going on tour, is like better than the place you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know? you, you get like you could sleep in the van or like a shitty hotel if you're lucky enough, and it was like it's it's it was it was a luxury. So did the scene kind of like build up around you guys though, like in at least in the West Coast or California or where you guys were at? Like, did did you start seeing like more bands kind of like? I mean, in our area for sure, um, but you know, Orange County pretty had a, had it pretty much on lock. Like there was already pre-established bands, like Instead, um, and then you know, like Black Flag and all these other bands had you know sort of started the. the there was already a, a pretty vibrant punk scene in Orange County, and um, did you guys start going down there and playing shows? Yeah, eventually we did. You know, I mean, we like I said earlier, like we we had to like sort of prove ourselves because right. like I mean, I remember calling. And being like, hey, can we get on this show? And they'd be like, what's your phone number? And I'd be like, 805, whatever, whatever. And they're like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because it wasn't <laughs> like 714. <laughs> I'm serious. It was so ridiculous. I love that. I shit, mean, though. maybe I maybe I'm a little like, you know, <laughs> or a little bit whatever about it. But it was uh, it was pretty funny. Like, I remember specifically like getting the stink eye because we were like, you know, because again, we didn't have that embedded scene we didn't have like older dudes to sort of show us the ropes and like don't do that don't stand on stage for like four minutes trying to stage dive you know to make sure it's safe because you look like an asshole and you're right. fucking up the show you know so we would do stuff like that you know and just like uh you know like what do we do it was like awkward you know but you're just like so amped and so psyched to be a part of it that you're just like i'm gonna be up here and like 
okay, I don't know what to do now. And they're just like, fuck you, get off. I love that, though. I mean, it, it, it's kind of the opposite about what we were just saying about being really inclusive. But there's also, <laughs> there has to be like, it's like surfing. There has to be like some sort of like, you know, uh, rules are like, you know, because if you're if you're up there just fucking around, you're ruining it for everybody else. Right. You know, you yeah. can't, you're, you're getting on someone else's way. It's not your but, show. <laughs> and it's also like, it can be like kind of violent if somebody doesn't know what they're doing. Sure. Like people can get hurt. Yeah, like, yeah, if, very hurt. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, there's kids broke their neck at our shows, like literally broke their necks. Like it's, it's, uh, it can be dangerous for sure. But you know, that's, that's why it's important. I mean, I think for, you know, kind of talking about it again, like it's important for, if a, if a younger kid or someone who's just like sort of starting out comes up to you, just like be cool to them. Be sure. like, yo, man, like this is kind of how you do it. You know, <laughs> you can do it your own way or whatever, but this is like kind of, you know, through some bumps and bruises, I figured it out. Like this is kind of like a cooler way or a safer way or like a an easier way of getting shit done. What, was was the shows violent? Like, yeah. Back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, when we first, when I first started going to shows, it was you know, sort of like a lot of Venice dudes and then like a lot of Orange County guys or a lot of LA guys. And there was like this sort of like these clicks. It wasn't like really crews, like hardcore crews, but it was just like neighborhoods, areas. So you'd have like these massive like Venice guys coming through, like Suey style, you know, dudes all dressed down and shit. And then you'd have like sort of like OC jock guys coming through with like, you know, football buff guys. And it was there was like a lot of fights, you know, a lot of a lot of violence, broken bottles and shit like that. And it was, you know, at the time it was pretty exciting and it was cool. Like I thought it was like, wow, this is really rad and like rebellious. But it yeah. was, you know, in hindsight, I'm just like, eh, I'm not really feeling it too much anymore. And then we, you know, the the, the hardcore scene specifically was pretty positive for a long time in the '90s. And then like you know, I feel like every ten years, like. You know, you it gets big enough to where you get a you get like sort of the wrong people involved. Like, right. and I don't want to use the word wrong, but you get the people that don't get it coming in because they've seen it on TV or they've, you know, said, "Oh, I can go kick ass for free here, whatever." And well, they it, have a preconceived notion of it. Like, yeah, they don't they don't go into it thinking like, "Oh, this is like a cool music that actually affects people's lives in a positive way." It, this is a place where I can just come and like wreck shit, you know, and. You know, you get you get sort of like a weird men, you get weird mentality coming in, and people start clicking off, and you know we're cooler than you, or stronger than you, or we can fight harder than you, and uh, that's sort of what turned me off, like in the late '90s. You know, and I I kind of did an interview about Straight Edge a couple of years ago, and I I I got a lot of heat for it because it was like I was talking, I equated it to like neo Nazism, like that's kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I got a lot of people pissed off at me. I didn't really read the comments on the thing, but like, <laughs> my my chick was like, "Dude, people want to fuck you up." <laughs> like, and it was like, it was, I wasn't meant to disrespect like where I came from or like the straight edge scene specifically. But when you have like such a positive sort of like ide idea going, and then you come in and you just you act like kind kind of like it just becomes like a microcosm of like regular life of like high school or like politics sure. and regular life. And you got kids like beating each other up with bats and mace and brass knuckles and like guns and knives at a show when you're like a white kid from the suburbs. Right. And you, you know, a year ago you're listening to fucking Pantera 
or whatever it was or sure. insane clown posse or whatever it was or <laughs> right. backstreet boys i don't fucking know <clears throat> and now all of a sudden you're a hard ass and like you're tough and i just thought it was really kooky you know i didn't i didn't really get into it i've never been like a super down for like violence i i like the violent element of hardcore i like that there's blood involved and sweat and angst and energy well it's energy yeah yeah but it's it's just a, a product of the environment but it's all about intent for me like if you come in and you're like i'm gonna fucking kick ass you know it's like nah dude just you know go go hang out somewhere else man like you know and a lot you know and and you have 10 kids beating up one kid it's like you know, if you're going to fight, fight one-on-one, -on -one, do it fair. Don't, like, pull something out of your fucking back pocket. You know, just square off and do it bare-knuckled, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> do it right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole thing. Yeah, you got to learn how to do it right. Yeah. Were there, like, were there women at the shows back then? Like, yeah. Or, yeah, there was, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, was, it wasn't. I mean, I know there were. I just mean that, like, you know, you see, like, footage and stuff, and it's, like, just, like, a lot, a lot of, of dudes. gnarly dudes up front, you yeah. know, like. I mean, it, along. it was, it was, you know, where we were from, it, it, we, we kind of like in the 805, it was, we were, I guess one of our major influences was from like Santa Barbara and like Abolition Records. So they were very like anti-government, pro-feminism, you know, anti-homophobia. Sure. So like that was like a huge influence on me too. And then like the punk music that I was really into was very socially um, aware. So like... You know, I was always into anti-racism and anti, you know, sexism and all that kind of stuff. And when, like, from the jump, that was just sort of embedded in, like, our sort of group. Sure. Um, so we always, you know, had girl girls that would come with us. And it was, like, very integrated. Um, but most of the shows were, like, testosterone, you know, fueled, you know, 15, 16-year-old kids. And um, – but there was there was a lot of women involved but not necessarily like doing all the stage diving and shit as much as maybe they could have, but it was also, you know, it was what it was. But you know, like one of my best friends growing up, Stacy, she stage dived Stacy. She would <laughs> fucking wreck shit in the pit. She was badass. And she, you know, she just had a baby. She's my age. And I think she still stage dives, you know, <laughs> but she also weighs like 90 pounds. So it was just like, she was like, one easy of, to catch. she was a bouncy ball, like on the crowd. It was great. She was, you know, kicked ass. It was great. And then, and then, so at like, what point did you guys like go from like, you know, this experience to like, oh, this is like a real like working band now? Like, that is kind of a weird question. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, I guess it's, you know, when we first started out, it was like we want to make a demo, right? Got to make a demo. Made a demo, put it out. It was shitty. Oh man, I'd really love to make seven inch. Oh fuck, I would just love to make seven inch. We don't have any money. This dude, you know, was like, hey, we'll put out a seven inch for you. So we did that and then we put out a, you know, full length. And finally we got onto Victory Records, which was like the, you know, emerging sort of, you know, juggernaut that it become, had, has become now. Right. Um, but back then it was like they weren't doing much on sort of like a global or even in, you know, it was like a New York thing kind of Chicago based. Oh, they're Chicago based. Yeah, Chicago. And, and so they, they sort of like signed us. Shows what I know. And signed, uh, signed integrity and they had like Snapcase, Earth Crisis and all. It just so, it was just like sort of like a happy accident. Like some really strong bands sort of like were all together at the time and the scene was really vibrant and strong like throughout America and definitely developing in Europe. And, uh, you know, it's just sort of right place at the right time. So they started. So we got signed to them and that's when it became like, 
okay, we're going to be touring a lot and like really trying to do this, you know, and see where it could go. But none of us expected us expected it to go anywhere aside right. from from here to the next town. Uh, as far as playing a show for you know hundred kids and keeping it moving, so we never really took it serious like as a job. You know, there, it just wasn't it wasn't even feasible. Right. So, just trying to like make enough money to go on tour and like pay for gas and van rental and you know we all used like fake we we used to steal like gas cards and or like phone cards and phone cards and we would well we used like the dialer which was really cool this thing that was like a you got it at like Radio Shack and our friend Jeff would like rig it to where it would make like the sound of like quarters going yeah they called it freaking oh is that what it was called yeah because it makes the sound the, the like, tone of the like actual money going yeah yeah so we would use that <clears throat> and that was like the best hookup, you know, on, on the road because you could call home and shit or call the label or whatever you had to do, call a venue or promoter. And then, like, I remember using it and, the, like, the woman on the other end was like, that won't work here, sir. And, like, we're calling the police. And we were like, ah! And we just, like, bugged out <laughs> and run away. So that kind of fell through. And, you know, now it's like a whole different ball of wax, you know. It's, well, I'm sure there's a lot of bands that are – you know, doing it the same way we did it, you know, getting in a van and going. I mean, that's fundamentally what a band is about. But, you know, for us, we sort of like have jobs and have lives and we're like, we're going to spend some money to go on tour. Right. So we, we, oh, let's go get a hotel. And we, you know, it's two hotel rooms and we split it that way before it was like one with like 13 people in it, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's not glamorous, but it's, it's awesome. Were you, did you have a job at that time too? Cause I, cause I don't, you know, I, I, I met you, well, I, I the first time I saw you, you were photographing my band, but we yeah. can get into that later. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, but I heard from my other friend, Jesse, that you used to work like in like a clothing store or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. I worked in retail. Like I did, I sold like high-end duds for a long time. I, there was a, there was a store in, in Thousand Oaks, the town over from us, and uh, they sold like Gerbo and Guess and like diesel jeans and shit like that it was like the cool spot and my friend was a manager and i needed a job i worked as like a pizza delivery guy and that kind of thing and uh i was like i need a job and this place looks cool and they could play i could play punk music and whatever and she was like yeah let me see if i can get hired so she got me hired and that was sort of like i worked in retail for like 20 years while the band like that was while your, the band yeah, yeah. so job. they so were cool like off the road I, and... yeah i would be like hey i'm gonna go on the road they're like all right cool when you get back let us know and you know it was i always knew that like just be cool and do a good job and then they'll they'll, they'll take you, you back hopefully get away with some stuff yeah yeah and they're you know i've been fortunate enough to like sort of work for people for the most part when i was working for people they always sort of dug what i did you know they're always like oh that's cool you're in a band they're like you know we want you to come back when you're when you're back so, like, at what point did because you guys toured with Sepultura at one point too? Yeah, like, can yeah. you just that's really interesting to me. So, can you just tell the story of like how that happened? Um, let's see if I can remember. We met Igor. Well, I think our guitar player and our drummer met Igor and Max. They came to a show of ours in Arizona. I think they were living in Arizona at the time. And that, correct me if my I'm wrong, Andrew or Sid or whoever is going to hear this. Um, but uh, they they came to a show and it was right when Roots was coming out, and that was like a huge record for them. I mean, we were fans of of the band, but yeah, that it, was like on MTV. I was yeah, like, I, I was mean, watching that like kind of thing unfold on MTV. Yeah, it was like crazy. Headbangers Ball or whatever. You yeah, know, and just, it's a you know, great fucking record. I, I mean, they're ama- they're amazing. 
period. But I remember my punk friend was like, he's like, I'm going to get my wisdom teeth out, and I'm not going to use any any anesthesia or whatever, but I'm going to listen to Roots by <laughs> like while they're That's doing perfect. The, yeah, yeah. the surgery. That's insane. Um, yeah, so the, we, we end up hooking up with those dudes, and they were just like, hey, do you want to come with us to Europe? And we'd already gone to Europe, was sick of it all. That was our fir- the first band we went over to uh, Europe with, and that was awesome. And uh, yeah, they were like, dude, do you want to come with us? And we were like, of course. you know. And it was kind of weird at the time because – people that was like you didn't really do that that's metal in this year right. hardcore punk so you know we've always kind of played with various ba- you know different kinds of music and ska bands whatever and it's always kind of a cool experience because it's like sort of outside the box and that's kind of like what punk's supposed to be about anyway so we were always pretty open-minded about playing with different people and different kinds of musics and shit and uh yeah so we went over and did that and it was <laughs> it was incredible it was like insane huge shows like and you guys were received well for with their audience and um as good as yeah as good as a band can be received you know when you're before you come on stage and everybody's yelling sepultura it's sort of like okay we got (laughs) we gotta sort of like something to prove so maybe it helped us play a little harder and right um i can't imagine being in any band and someone (laughs) chanting sepultura before you play yeah it was kind of pretty tough to live up to that you know by the end of the tour you're just sort of like yeah of course you guys are gonna be chanting this you know it was like not a big deal but in the beginning it's i mean even playing on those stages we never really played on such big in a big venue i mean there's like fifteen thousand people at some of the shows we played like ice hockey arenas and you know it was the height of that there of them for sure at the time and uh yeah it was it was pretty crazy but it was a lot of fun and and those dudes are rad and you know we've we've always been lucky to sort of hook up with just good people you know yeah. like that have always sort of like taken care of us and try to give that back to bands that play with us and you, shit too you guys were like moving kind of more in like a metal direction at that point too right like musically yeah i mean we we our second record had come out, and it was definitely more on the. M- people say it was more metal. I, I, for me, I just think it sounds '90s. But you know, at the time, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't very punk sounding. It was right. definitely more metal influenced, and, and it was like the, around, right around the time of our second record came out is when a lot of bands were doing like better production, and it was like you know it sounded like a record. It didn't sound like it was recorded in a basement, and. You know, I think the Judge record that came out, Bringing It Down, was like sort of the catalyst for for us and for a lot of bands to sort of like step it up and be like, wow, you can actually do this and it sounds cool and it's good and it's uh, it's something different, you know? And it was just sort of like, I guess, the sign of the times. And then, um, and just also knowing people that were in, in like bigger bands and established bands, like people like in Sepultura, like they were professionals, you know? It was like, oh, we could be professional too, like show up on time and do our job and whatever you want to call it, could be worse. Right. And and make a record that we're actually into. So, yeah, I mean, just by default, I think we sort of got a more metal influence. And then our third record we did, which came out years later, um, Anger Means, was like super experimental for us. And it was could have been good but it sort of sucks <laughs> <laughs> is that the one that has like the deftones guy on it and stuff no like? that was the, that was the second one. that was the second one that and was it, the second one and it had guys from sepultura on the second one as well yeah, but, yeah. Uh, okay and what would like what what made you guys think like we're gonna have like guest dudes on here i don't know i think it was just because we are kind of homies with a lot of these people and it was sort of just seemed kind of natural like 
maybe in passing we'd be like, dude, you should play drums on the record. And they were like, yeah, I'd be down. And you'd be like, uh, really, Igor? You're going to fucking, that's crazy. And he, you know, he was just like, yeah, I'll do it. Why not? So, yeah, I mean, Dino from Fear Factory and like Chino, you know, sang on one of the songs. And it, it was just weird because a lot of the, a lot of those bands, like the bigger bands, like Deftones or whatever, sort of, you know, we'd hear in the grapevine, like, oh, the, that, those guys like your band. And we're like, what? That's crazy. You yeah. Know? That's really weird. Like, that's cool. You yeah. know? And then, so we'd get something like that and we'd be like, well, let's just call him and see what what's up. So right. get his phone number from someone and be like, hey, dude, you want to come down and do it? Yeah, sure. It was like easy. I was just thinking about it the other night just because I, I knew I was going to interview you or whatever, but like Sepultura, like liking you guys just, this sounds weird, you know, yeah, but crazy. But then when you think about it, you know, <clears throat> them being from Brazil and like, you know, just any bands from outside of the states or especially like a, a like a South American band or something, they're already like kind of more hip, like politically, yeah, or maybe sure, you know, sure. they're a little bit more like they're open minded. They're open minded, sure. you know. Sure. They're and they're they're more thoughtful maybe than than we are a lot of times. Or, yeah, you know, or, and and so it doesn't. When I think about it that way, it doesn't surprise me that they would be. Yeah, I mean, those, and those dudes were like way into like hardcore. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like I think for for the most part, I mean, at least in my experience, like America's the only place that it's like you're punk, you're metal. You're this, you're that. And maybe that's just because of our society, like what we come from. You know, I mean, we're, I'm a product of my environment. So, like, there were the jocks and then the nerds and then the goth kids and punk kids. And we all, like, kind of, it was supposed to be separate. You know, you guys sit over there, you sit over here, whatever. And that can be related to anything, like race or whatever, uh, on a bigger scale. And I think everywhere else in the world, at least in my experience, it was like, again, kind of like what I was talking about before. It's like we're all kind of weirdos, so we all kind of gravitate to this one place where right. we can all kind of like get it out together, and it was a much more positive vibe. Well, also when you think about like what we were talking about earlier about how hard it was for us to get records, like yeah, before the internet or whatever, you know, or yeah. find out about stuff. If you're in like fucking Sao Paulo or yeah. whatever, like it's not as easy in like yeah, a yeah. fucking squat or something, yeah. and you're trying to like find out about these bands that you have heard of yeah, it's like you, even more insane international international is much dif more difficult to get a hand your handle yeah i mean i think that's you know so when you are in there they get obsessed on stuff because yeah. they put the fucking time into like and you know there's like the you know also you know going talking about europe and south america and places like that you know it's like you you didn't have access to like all the like you know america i, I mean we kind of started the punk thing, you know, for the most part, or at least American hardcore, I think was sure. sort of like the, you know, America's sort of the birthplace. We of can it. agree on that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, everybody, but we're awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I think that we, you know, we, we had the luxury of having bands come through, you know, and as a result, you know, decades later, we're a bit more jaded as a, as a society or a scene can be or whatever, as opposed to like South America, which is like they're, they've never seen, you know, a band from America, hardcore band from new york or california or wherever and so they're super hyped and they're super friendly and super just like rad mm -hmm. you know like just awesome and i think as a culture specifically south america or latin countries in general just warm people they like to have fun 
and it's not there's not a lot of pretense there's no like are you wearing the right shoes right or don't step on my shoes because they're brand new well yeah we just got back from europe like a month ago and it was just funny to be like how everyone in Spain is just like so friendly and awesome, like, so awesome. And then like you go to Germany and like yeah, not as not as awesome. <laughs> well, they're awesome in their own way, but yeah, they're yeah. also just like uh, that song you played, the third song. Uh, it wasn't as good as uh, the <laughs> yeah. version on the record. Yeah. And uh, also, I think uh, I don't think you should be playing that Rickenbacker bass. Like, right, I right, think a right. P bass would be better and would cut through more, more. authentic. <laughs> Like, and fuck? let's go have a beer. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But they're uh, but they're totally trying to be. Yeah, they're relatable. they're not trying to be an asshole. Yeah. It just comes off very asshole-ish. Like we've like played in East Germany, and I remember playing a show. I don't remember. It was like a couple tours ago, and we show up and it's like raining and it's just like very dreary and like we're just like kind of kind of shot, you know, from being on tour or whatever. My voice is hammered, and uh, we show up at this place and it's like at a weird little like club thing and uh we're just like oh man this is gonna be a tough one tonight in general just like not even having to worry about the crowd and it was like eastern you know east german and everybody's built like a tank and just like do you remember what city it was or fuck no yeah it doesn't matter it was a one-off that we were we were on tour and it was like a one-off i think versberg somewhere yeah and no offense to the city like you know but long story short we play the set and like no one moves. Right. Everyone's standing with their arms crossed. Just, I'm like, we're going to probably get killed after the show. Like, we're probably going to get beaten up for sure. And except these two chicks were just going off. Like, you know, having a blast. Probably were there for something totally different just because it was a bar or whatever. And they were having such a good time. And I was like, you know, these fucking girls are ripping. And, like, this is so rad. And after the show, like, this massive dude comes up to me. And he's like, very good show. <laughs> I was like really? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, let's get a beer. And I'm like, okay, man, whatever you want to do, like, just don't fucking pound pound me into the ground because you're scary as shit. But, you know, and they were explaining, he explained to me later, like, we're we're kind of like a closed off, like, emotionally because we, you know, whatever. And I was like, you know, it's your bag. It's all good. I'm glad you're here. It's cool. So it's sort of like you always learn something different, you know. If everything's easy and rad all the time, it's not that much fun. Yeah, we had a show in Stuttgart, which is, I think, east, yeah. east and it was the same thing, just yeah. people just standing. But they're there. having a blast. Oh, yeah. They they're... just don't, don't you know, kick, <clears throat> kick, up, kick up the dust as much, you know? Sure. But, and it's like, <clears throat> what was I, oh, fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, um, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, my favorite, my favorite stories are always the shitty ones. Like in high, you know, like everyone's. Well, that, the, the, the fucking the best one I've heard is my buddy's band played there, and this guy bought like three records off them after the show, and I think it was in Berlin or something. But uh, and then they were hanging out at the bar for like three hours, just drinking afterwards and like chit chatting with the booker or whatever, you know, and the bartender. And the guy came back to the show, and he had gone home and listened to all three records. He came back to return them. He was like, these are not as good as I was hoping. That's awesome. He wanted his money back. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty rad. I never had that happen, but maybe. Well, I don't think anyone's had that happen. Except yeah, that, that, that's, that's pretty pretty cool. That's a, that's a pretty good one. Uh, so I got three quick ones for you then. Uh, do, do you do anything? Whoa, what is that? There's like a, a weird radio interference. There's a woman's voice there. Hi, how are you? Um... From beyond. Uh, yeah. What was that? Um, so do you do anything then to warm up your voice? Because you talked about getting your voice being hammered, you know? No. I'm stupid. 
Totally. You don't warm up at all before the shows? I do. I, I, when we first started recording records, we recorded with this dude that was like an operatic vocalist. He was like, had the most incredible voice. He was in like a prog rock, progressive rock band. And he would, he, he just told me like, just like, just do that. And you do like the scales or whatever. So I always kind of done that, but like, if I don't, you know, we don't play often enough. Like, right. we play like every six months. We'll go on tour like every six months. That's about what I can do. But you if you're know. doing it every night, though, man. If you like, do it every night, it's fine. But like the first three shows, right. just wreck it, you know? Because no matter what, no matter how much I warm up, I'm still just screaming my head off. And I never do that like, you know, six months prior. So when we were, when we would be on tour all the time, my voice would always be, you know, pretty, pretty gnarly and, and good. But now it's like, we're you know we're going to Europe in June next year. Mm-hmm. You know it's like that's like the next tour that's booked. So we'll jam and do a couple practices before, but you know everybody's got jobs and you know life and shit. And so it's sort of like a given that I'm going to be a real pain in the ass for like the first week because my voice is going to get shot and I'm just going to be in the worst mood. Like right. I'm such a dick. Like fuck the world. Like <laughs> I don't want to be here. And I. I get so pissed. I do have some easy vocal warm up because tell me, like, well, I'll tell you after semen? the show because I heard semen. Semen, good. yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> I've tried it; it sucks. Yeah, well, I mean, no it's also hard to. Well, it can be hard to find when you're driving. I mean, I guess there's a lot of truck stops or whatever. But <laughs> no, this the guy who was driving us on the tour in Europe is French guy. He it's a, the Zen of screaming. It's called interesting, and I, it's this woman that teach. She's taught like. Everybody. All sorts of metal dudes. Freddie Madball, I think, has gone to her, too. Yeah, man. It's amazing. I mean, it saved my fucking ass. Like, I would have been been so fucked. I've heard about this woman a few times now because, like, everybody's, you know, I'll show up and be, like, pissed off. And they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, my voice shot. And they're like, oh, you got to check out this girl, this woman, and she's the best. So, like, tell me what it is. It's Zena Screaming. I'll send it to you. I just have these little, like, MP3s on my phone. And then we go, like, before the show. Like, you can do it anytime. You just sit in the van. It takes, like, four minutes. And you just do, like, these, like, 12 exercises. Dude, I want that. And it's fucking, it's sick. Like, because we did a month or whatever. I'd never done more than, like two weeks of singing sure sure and was always like totally fucked up and bummed out and like yeah. after that like it was fine almost every night damn like, till right till the end of the show or the end of the tour or whatever yeah i mean that, usually it's like for me it's like it's it gets shot like third or fourth show it gets fucked and then, and then it then comes back it comes back like yeah. you know you play like two shows that are horrible or three shows that are like and, and it slowly gets like carterized or you have and, to like break it and then rebuild yeah, it somehow. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's like it's I don't I just fucking scream like you know it's it's not a it's not um it's not really easy on on me. So I there's guess. that, and then there's the bloody head thing too. <laughs> yeah, where does that come from? Stupid. Is that a pro wrestling thing? <laughs> no, I know it. Yeah, it. I never was into wrestling. <laughs> By the I'm way. way into wrestling. Yeah, so I, I, mean, like, I have cool. people that come up and be like, oh, you, you look like so-and-so. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. Um, no, I mean, I... Are you bashing the microphone into your head? Generally, is that what's going on? Generally, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I'll hit my head on the ground or somewhere. Um, but I think, you know, we're... I don't know if anybody's ever never seen us or whatever. Like, we jump around and we do the hardcore thing. And it's, like, very, you know, sort of animated. And we have a good time. Right. And... I used to be able to jump like a fucking, you know, 
kangaroo all the time and just jumping off the riser and, you know, whatever amps and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm tweaked, you know, my wife will think it's funny that I said tweak because I'm always tweaked. Like I got problems, like my legs hurt, my back hurts all the time, whatever. And, and anybody who's been in a band as long as I have or whatever will probably be able to have a similar story. But so I don't jump as much as I used to, but I feel, you know, coming back and playing now, like 25, 20 years later or whatever, 25 years later, it's like kind of like I have the same um, it, it's sort of the same release that I had when I was younger. Um, you know, it's, it's just fun. And I want to just have it be like as intense as I can make it, you know, like for myself, like it's almost like a selfish thing. And then I want people to look at us or when they see us, I don't want them to be like, Oh, these old guys, you know, like it's almost like I have something to prove to myself and to, to anybody seeing us. So we really <clears throat> try to go off and, and do as much as we can for the live show. And, I, I just started <laughs> hitting myself <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it feels good. You yeah. know, I like, I like a little bit of blood. It's always fun. And then the guitar player does the thing where he spins the guitar around. Yes, he does that. Yes. Yes. And, and it sucks when you're on the end of it. That's what is, I was going to wonder. Happened, like, yeah. is that how the bloody head thing started? Was the guitar hit you? Or? No, I mean, I've definitely gotten bloody from pretty much everybody in my band at one time or another. I've been pretty much knocked out. Um, you know, headstock from a bass coming down from a full swing is it's like getting hit in the head with a bat like i'm sure i've had a concussion a number of times and you know i've gotten hit in the face with a headstock and the yeah. strings aren't cut well enough and it's just like sliced me open i always get the the fucking shitty end of the stick right um but i think it's cool i, I like blood who started the guitar swinging thing though as far as a band doing it? Yeah. I don't I don't know. I like think where did your Eddie Van Halen or somebody? I don't did know. Did he do that? I don't know. Maybe uh maybe Joe Satriani, I don't know. Someone <laughs> like that. Joe Satriani, I think, did it in uh oh no, I'm thinking of Steve Vai, maybe he did Steve it in Vai. Crossroads. Yeah, 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 for sure. During his battle with uh, Ralph Macchio. Yeah. And then that somehow became like a hardcore. Probably poison or somebody did it, movie. you know? Maybe the guy from Billy Idol, I don't know. Someone someone did it somewhere with probably something really light and easy. But it became like a hardcore thing, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Andrew's done it for years. Like, I don't know where he, I don't know why he he did it the first time. I don't know why what what you know sparked him to do it. But it's sort of like it's a fun fun thing to do <laughs> as long as I'm not in the way. Like, I don't want to get hit by that fucking thing. It's heavy. It's such a weird move. I, I it it is like, weird. Well, I mean, you know, maybe it's an influence. Like, does he play? Is it a wireless guitar? Yeah, he plays. We all play wireless. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so that you guys can jump around. Yeah, you can just go wherever you want. Like, go upstairs and jam. Right. I mean, we've done some fucking stupid shit. You know what I mean? We've done some really stupid shit. <laughs> That's kind of what I was getting at, but like in a in a nice way. Or well, whatever. I, I mean, I mean, it goes back to like the influence. Like we we listen to all kinds of shit, all kinds of music. We don't. We sort of like are, are bros with a lot of different people. And so we kind of just have fun. And like, I mean, we've done show, we did a show in Belgium once that was like, you know, it was a couple years after we'd stopped playing and like we weren't straight edge anymore. And like back then it was like I would get death threats. Like you're, if you come to such and such town, we're going to kill you. Like literally. For breaking edge. For breaking edge. So like, obviously I didn't want to go on tour that much. Uh, and it was like sort of a bummer. And, uh, you know, we had got, we, we were like, oh, they were like, do you want to go to Europe or whatever? And we're like, yeah, sure. So we went to Belgium. It was like a huge straight edge show. 
all straight edge kids, whatever. And, you know, we're playing and like everybody's just like arms folded. And we're just like, dude, come on. This is fucking shitty. Like we're used to pile ons and like stage dives and sing alongs. And and it's like the crowd is as important as the band, you know, for any band playing. Sure. And um, that's like what we're from. That's where we're from. So. Um, you know, it's changed a lot, but so these kids were all just like deadpan and just bummed out and we didn't know if they're pissed at us for not being straight edge or what it was, but we just were like, fuck it, dude. Like I just walked off stage after playing half the set and then <laughs> our guitar player and our drummer at the time just did like literally a 40 minute jam. And it was like, they played like, you know, Led Zeppelin and like whatever, like just jammed out and just the, it was just obnoxious and horrible and a lot of feedback. And then at the end of the, the set or the the show or whatever, there was like <laughs> like one clap from like someone in the back that probably didn't know who we were. And it was just like, you know, it, it's you're supposed to have fun. You know, yeah. that's the whole point. And like uh, it's just it's a drag when people are just like kind of stupid about shit. So we we always back to the point of like we always just try to have fun. Well, and I like it because it's like, you know, you guys are being real and being yourselves whether or not like necessarily like whipping your guitar around is like a cool thing to be doing but at one point it was like a new thing then everybody started doing it and it became like yeah i don't think andrew started it no 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 i'm just saying like you know at some point like you would go to like a hardcore show or a straight edge show or something and i'm no expert by any means so don't like you know anyone listening that's like oh that guy doesn't know what he's fucking talking about but like (laughs) no one does no no one does but like you know at at some point like everybody was doing the same moves or whatever but then like as years go on like people peel off and go do their own thing and then sure but then you're still doing the moves so like you gotta yeah like why why stop yeah yeah i mean it's comfortable yeah, I mean, there's definitely like, it's funny because like people that don't really listen to hardcore or, or or aren't sort of like as embedded in it as maybe some other people, uh, like our band or whoever, um, you know, they'll see a band playing and they'll be like, oh, I like this hardcore band, and then I'll like see them or who whatever, and I'll be like, dude, that's not really hardcore, right? You know, it's like choreographed, and it's, you know, it's just like people poach shit. You know, like we, I poached moves from John Joseph or, you know, HR or whoever that, you know, I grew up on that I was like really digging. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, you're influenced by like your predecessors or whatever you want to call it. Well, wasn't it like Sick of It All or Agnostic Front had the video where they like teach you like how to dance or something too? I don't know. Like they had all the hardcore dances in the video. I don't know. I don't know which one it was. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's. It's weird, but you know, cause you, you sort of, you live, you know, as a band or as a scene or whatever, it's like you, you figure like you're never, it's never going to make it to the mainstream. It's never going to make it to YouTube or whatever, sure. you know, avenue that, that there is now. And, and you know, now it's like, you know, a show, like a recorded show from like 93 or 83 is on YouTube and there's a kid acting freakish and spazzing out doing a weird thing. And then somewhere someone says, sees that and they're like, Oh, I'm going to start dancing like that or doing that like for real. And then all of a sudden a thousand kids are doing or whatever. And it's just like, how the fuck did this happen? Like weird, like, you know, like we just, we just always just said, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, that, what is that? It's, Oh, is that your iPhone? uh, It's Siri. Siri. That's right. Siri. That's what that that noise was. Is that my phone? I think so, because I don't have an iPhone. Oh, sorry, Siri. That was me. <laughs> so, 
The first time I was aware of you was we were playing and you were photographing my band. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> I didn't know who you were. I just assumed, you know, I was like, oh, there's a guy he's taking photos for some something or whatever. And, and I and I was kind of like, yeah, you're doing it now. Uh, Rick's photographing me right now. Uh, but uh, uh, and I I think I was kind of mean mugging you, not mean mugging, but just being Whatever, an asshole, dick, like dick. yeah, doing like dick move, like kind of like standing. Uh, I thought you were sweet. Standing in front, of, well, like standing in front of the drummer when you're trying to photograph the drummer, or uh, like yeah. you know doing just doing like putting show, on a show, showboating, yeah, showboating or yeah. whatever, but like with a sense of humor about it. Right, right, right. <clears throat> But then I, but I met you like after that or whatever. But like, my question is: so, were you always taking photographs the whole time? Were you, when, when did you start getting into? Because that's your job now. Yeah, that's what I do for a living. Yeah, um, I got into photography through an ex-girlfriend of mine, right when sort of the band was starting. Like, we, we were together for so that early on. You were, yeah, yeah. So we we were already, I think touring a little bit and stuff and we'd already kind of gotten the band off the ground and uh this girl and i hooked up and she she got into photography and like a college course or whatever and she used me as like her subject for like her projects or whatever and i was like oh this is cool like i'm kind of feeling it so my dad gave me a camera and then just to fuck around with and i didn't really take it serious but i was like oh i'm going on the road like i could bring a camera with me or whatever and i started taking pictures Never really of shows, but just my surroundings. Like, I've always been more interested in, like, my immediate surroundings. I've never been, like, super into photographing, like, hardcore shows, which is kind of funny. I think maybe because I play a lot and then, like, I don't want to go take pictures afterwards. I'm fucking sure. beat or whatever. Um, but that's sort of, like, what's got me on onto photography was in that time. And then I started taking pictures more serious, and then I sort of linked up with a few people that are like, "Oh, take my, you know, take a picture of this, or take a picture for my band, or take a picture for this, or whatever." And I kind of got was starting to get into it, and I was working retail and you know slinging clothes and all that shit. And um, then I I was going on tour in Australia for, was our first tour in Australia, and uh, my car broke down. Like I was actually photographing a CD, like a, I was photographing a VHS box cover for like a compilation video compilation or whatever. And I was at a studio and shooting and my car, the transmission went out like when I got to the, the studio. So my friend's dad owned the studio. So I was like, Hey man, I got to, I'm leaving for Australia tomorrow for five weeks. Is my car cool here? I had all my gear in it. And he was like, yeah, totally. No worries. So we went, we went to Australia and I got back and of course the car's gone. All my shit yeah. was gone. And like, I had all my negatives in it and like, I had basically my whole, all, all the photographs and everything, not our negatives and cameras and everything I've accumulated over the years. And it was all gone. So I was like, fuck, you know, forget it. I'm done. This yeah. is retarded. And so I got, I basically just kind of hung it up. And then, um, years later I was working for fresh jive and they gave me a camera, like a digital camera. And I started taking pictures again, and that was like probably 2006-ish, I guess. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just sort of picked it back up and just sort of hit the ground running and took it more serious, you know, and and, and sort of like just hooked up with cool people like in the very beginning, that, you know, by luck or by just knowing people and, and got a couple jobs. And I was like, oh, I can probably do this for, you know, more than just a hobby. 
and that's sort of how it just all started. So what, like, what, what do you do now? Like as a job, you just fo- anything like fashion? I do art. Yeah, like all, pretty much all of it. Like I, I mean, you know, <clears throat> it's it's hard to shake the sort of like hardcore mentality of like you know it's got to be real or it's got to be this or it's got to be this or don't get paid or you know like right. i have like a lot of bad habits that i acquired over over the years of you know i'm not good with business and i don't know how to like there's a weird hardcore guilt or like yeah yeah guilt like guilt about like oh, success like or oh you're gonna pay me that much money no it's not right like whatever yeah. you know and like i i really have had a struggle with all that kind of stuff uh when I, you know, as I've gotten further into doing this as a job, but you know, now I've realized like I'm a photographer. Like if, you know, someone wants me to take pictures, I'll take pictures, you know? And, um, I do a lot of commercial work, you know, um, and fashion stuff and just basically like, you know, I shoot look books and shit for fashion labels and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I've shot for like Nike and state farm and, and forever 21 and, and a bunch of sort of like bigger corporate companies and, you know, nine times out of 10, it's just really easy and they're super easy to work with. And, you know, and then I shoot a lot for like, you know, younger bands or, you know, modeling, things like that. Like, it's pretty much, you know, if I'm interested in it, like, which I'm just interested in taking pictures in general, like, I just like taking pictures. It's sure. fun. So if I can get paid to do it and, and make a decent living and, you know, whatever and pay rent and blah, 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 then why not do it? You know, and it it affords me to like make my own schedule and yada, yada, yada. And I can go on tour and I can bring my camera with me and take pictures wherever I go. And it just sort of like suits my lifestyle and my, my, I guess my personal and creative, you know, vibe. So I, I, you know, it's cool. Like I I like just taking photos. Well, I let you have a job and also like, you know, connect with your buddies in the band and go do what you guys want to do when you can, when you can do it. Yeah. I mean, do those guys all have kids and stuff and jobs? And no you... one has kids. Well, that's, that, that, that yeah. helps. But everybody's got a job, you know, right. like we're all, you know, we're, we're not, we're not young as young as we used to be. So it's like, uh, so you guys all kind of sit down and plan out the year. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> you know, we kind of put the feelers out like, okay, we'll, we'll sort of talk some, talk amongst ourselves. Like, you know, this is when, I mean, it's kind of cool now because, there's sort of like uh, a routine, you know, Europe festivals are going to go happen this time of year or whatever. And it's like, there's pretty much a blueprint for, for planning stuff out as far as a band like us is concerned. Like we don't have to go on tour all the time. So we can sort of say like to our booking agent in Europe, be like, we want to come over in June and play these festivals. Is there, is there room for us or whatever? And they can usually make it happen or whatever. So we'll, we'll go over there and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy and nice and, and fun. It's not, you know, but again, like the best times are the kind of times where you're stuck in a van on the side of the road in Georgia and you're broke down and you're like, I fucking hate this so bad. I want to go home. <laughs> and then, you know, a year later you're like, that was awesome. That was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. That's so, the funniest stuff. So now it's like, it, it's, you know, still not easy. I don't think it's really easy being in a, in a band or a hardcore band specifically, um, cause it's very taxing and it's got all the, you know, the stuff, the phys- not just the physical, but just mentally and everything, but it's, it's fucking a blast. You know, it's, it's, I'm going to do it as long as it feels right. And you guys are playing a show this weekend. Um, we're playing the 12th or 13th. Oh, that's perfect. Cause this will go up before that. So do you want to talk about that show that you're playing? Yeah, we're doing, um, for the children, which is an annual event that, uh, Nate 
from SOS Booking puts together. And it's like a two-day thing. Um, it raises money and toys for kids in need. And uh, I think it's sold out already, which is awesome. But um, We can still like link to their site yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You can find out about it. Or- yeah, go online and, and look up for the children. I think SOS Booking should probably have something. I don't know any links or whatever. I'll figure it out. Cool. Um, but, you know, it's it's uh, it's nice. I mean, he's he's awesome, and he's done a lot for the scene, especially in Southern California. And he's put a really fucking good lineup this year. Like, so we're we're super psyched to be a be a part of it. And um, it's also nice for us because we can just sort of just do stuff that we want to do. You know, we have we have sort of the luxury now because we're old and <laughs> people have a nostalgia for like the '90s, I guess now, which is so fucking weird. But it's great because I mean I think people are so I mean everyone is so short sighted when you when you start oh, a band sure. or whatever you know 100%. but just to think like well fuck you know like twenty years later I'm like doing what I want to do as a job and I can still do the fucking band yeah and like no one gives a shit if I'm like swinging the guitar around or like if yeah I'm, if I'm like I'm well, doing it because I want to do it and doing it because you want to do it yeah well it's cool. Thanks for being on the show, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm glad that we got together. Buddy. Totally. It took a while to figure it out. There we go. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Vision. Thanks, Jed. Well, that was Rick Rodney. Go see him this weekend uh, at the For the Children Benefit. If it's not sold out or if you already have tickets, go check it out. Or, I don't know, just go fucking support somebody. It's the holidays. I'm going to put the uh, link to the For the Children show uh, up on the site, so check that out. Uh, Like you said, I mean, maybe the show's sold out, but I hope it is. Uh, But if it's not, go check it out. Learn more about it. As always, I want to thank Adam Wade for engineering and Jessica Hundley for producing. Thanks for everybody for listening. Happy holidays. We'll see you next time. This is Jed Banger's Ball.